don't waste any time doubting mercy. John's gospel account, which we just heard proclaimed, provides a very interesting and easily missed detail after describing Jesus' first resurrection appearance to his apostles in the upper room. That detail is this. A week later, a week later, his disciples were again inside, and this time, Thomas was with them. A whole week later. Think about that for just a minute. For an entire week, all of the other disciples were completely losing their minds with joy that Jesus was alive. That he was risen from the dead, more alive than ever. And yet for that same whole first Easter week, Thomas doubted. There's no way Jesus is alive. There's no way this could actually be true. St. Thomas was wasting time doubting mercy. I wonder, how many of us here doubt that we have been really, truly forgiven by God? St. Thomas He gets a bad rep, but he only doubted for eight days. And here's the sad reality. So many people in this world, so many people in the church even, will go decades unconvinced that Jesus really does love them and really has forgiven them. So many poor souls live year after year after year refusing to believe that they can move on, that God's grace really is sufficient, that their sins have been totally conquered by our risen Lord. That is no way to live. In fact, it is a huge waste of time. Doubting Thomas only doubted for eight days. How long has it been for you? St. Paul teaches us elsewhere in sacred scripture that if Christ has not been raised, then you are still in your sins. But the good news that we can and ought to believe with our entire hearts is this. Jesus is raised from the dead. You have been forgiven. Mercy is here. It is available. It's time to accept that truth, to really believe it. So on this Divine Mercy Sunday, I would like to give you all five simple ways to not waste any more time doubting the Lord's mercy he has for you. Five basic little rules that will, by God's grace, hopefully give you the freedom and the permission to accept that truth, that Christ's mercy really is alive and well and immediately available to each one of us. The first is this. Don't be shocked by your sins. That's a huge waste of time. It's a huge waste of time to stomp around saying to yourself, well, why did I do that? How did this happen again? This is unbelievable. Actually, it's very believable. 
You are a sinner, okay? I am a sinner. We are all prone to sin in all sorts of different ways, terrible ways even. But for the grace of God, there go I, as the old saying goes. Are we so shocked by that? It is very prideful to think that sin is unthinkable for us. So don't waste time being shocked by your sin. Instead, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the deep roots of your sin, the memories, the wounds, those attachments, the past choices and, and ingrained habits that hold you bound. So that's number one. Don't be shocked by your sins. Number two, don't be worried, dragged down, or discouraged by your sins. That's a total waste of time. Reject discouragement wherever it crops up. Be joyful instead. Yeah, I really mean that. Strive to remain joyful even after you sin. In fact, especially after you sin. Stubbornly remind yourself each and every time you fall that as scripture says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That doesn't tell us that we should sin, but it does give us permission to believe that we can and ought to be joyful and certainly not discouraged when we fall. Number three, don't beat yourself up when you sin. This is a colossal waste of time. Being truly sorry for committing a sin does not mean berating yourself and slumping into a self-imposed misery and depression. That sort of attitude, that sort of posture brings no joy to God. Woe is me. I'm such a loser. I'm so stupid for doing that same thing again. Poor, poor me. Now I need to be mad at myself all day long. I will never be free from this. I will never be able to stop doing this. Does this sound familiar? Because this is what I do to myself, okay? Let me ask you this, though. Do you seriously think that your sin can stop Jesus? Really? I mean, what makes your sin so special? That's pride, once again. Accepting mercy, believing in mercy, is true humility. Only people who do not deserve forgiveness are allowed in church. Nobody here deserves to be forgiven. So beating yourself up, saying, no, 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 don't, you don't understand. My sin is worse. My sin is too evil. My sin is too terrible for God to forgive me. I have to fix myself first. I have to earn back God's love. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Believe me when I say, it is a waste of time. And to be honest, it really only proves how much we love ourselves and not how much we love God. Instead, instead of beating yourself up, always remember that God never does that to you after you sin. He's not accusing you. He's not slapping you on the wrist with a ruler. He's not angry. No. Instead, his heart is broken. His fatherly heart is broken. And all he wants to do 
is invite you to come and be healed by his mercy. It is the enemy, the devil, who aggressively accuses and beats you up after a sin. That's not what your heavenly father does. Remember Jesus' words to St. Faustina. The greater the sinner, the greater the right that person has to my mercy. The greater the sinner, the greater the right. Believe it or not, and this is hard to wrap our, our heads around sometimes, your sinfulness actually attracts God and his mercy to you. It doesn't repulse him. It moves his fatherly heart to come and say, come, come back. Be with me. I don't want you to be far from me. Number four. So we're number four right now. Don't be scrupulous about your sins. What a monumental waste of time. Scrupulosity is not humility. It is yet again pride revisited. Scrupulosity is when you think that it is all up to you to correctly, properly, and perfectly identify each and every sin in its entirety, legalistically and ritualistically categorizing all of your countless sins into whether or not that one was mortal, this one was venial, oh my gosh, how am I going to figure this out? Mechanically accounting for every single stumble, every single fault, until pretty much everything you do feels sinful. And if you don't do all of that perfectly, then the jig is up, and God will reject you. What an exhausting and tiresome exercise that is. And so many people are caught in it. But notice where all the pressure is in that scenario. Yourself. Scrupulosity is all about me, myself, and my sin. What a terrible waste of time. Instead, surrender yourself to God. Make it all about him. You have nothing to fear. The Holy Spirit will convict you of your sins. That's why he was sent into the world. You don't have to be that meticulous, anxious, worried shopkeeper of your own soul. The Lord cares more about the state of your soul than you do. So if you have a friendship with him, if you have a real relationship with the risen Lord, then he will help you to know your real sins and he will help you to confess them worthily and well and without scrupulosity. Number five, and this one's important too, don't make light of your sin. Don't make light of your sin. Mercy is only mercy because sin is really sin. Forgiveness means nothing if choosing freely to disobey God does not matter very much at all. We can't just dismiss guilt. We hear a lot about Catholic guilt, right? Well, there's a, such a thing as good guilt, okay? We need to be real. We need to be honest about our real, actual accountability that we have before God and before our neighbor. We make grace cheap and mercy meaningless when we reduce Jesus' forgiveness to kind of a bland leniency. Laxity is not mercy. Apathy toward evil is not mercy. 
Mercy makes a sincere assessment of the gravity of the wrong committed, and then we allow the Lord to say to each and every one of us, you are forgiven. This will not be held against you. Now go and sin no more. Now, if all, after all of this, you are still there hesitating, if you're still not sure if you are ready to believe that God really can and will forgive you, then listen to this amazing quote that comes from the spiritual autobiography of St. Therese of Lisieux, a doctor of the church and one of the greatest saints ever to live. She says this, Even if I had on my conscience every crime one could commit, I should lose nothing of my confidence. If I had every sin on my conscience, I would lose no confidence. My heart broken with sorrow, I would throw myself into the arms of my Savior. No one could frighten me, for I know what to believe concerning his mercy and his love. Wow, I know what I can believe about God's mercy. I know that I don't have to waste any time doubting his mercy. She goes on, and I know that all that multitude of sins would disappear in an instant, even as a drop of water cast into a flaming furnace. That is supernatural confidence in the mercy of God, and that is what we are all created to receive from our loving Father. That is the confidence with which we can march into the confessional. When Jesus appeared to his apostles in the upper room, he breathed on them, saying, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. This is the scriptural origin of the sacrament of reconciliation. When the ordained priest pronounces those words of absolution over you, I absolve you from your sins. It happens. It really does. Every single time when we go and make a good confession, holding nothing back with true contrition of heart. We don't leave the confessional as losers who had to go back to confession for the same thing yet again. No, we leave the confessional victorious. Our sins are wiped away. So don't waste any more time doubting if your sins, past or present, are really forgiven by God. Jesus himself says they are in those words, I absolve you. And you can trust what Jesus says. Here, touch my wounds, he says. Put your hand here in my side. Stick your fingers into the nail marks. See for yourself that mercy is real, that forgiveness is within your reach. You can touch it. I want you to receive it. And when we finally come to believe, really, really, really believe that and know that down to our bones, that we are loved, known, and forgiven, then we can drop to our knees with St. Thomas, the doubter, St. Thomas, the apostle, and all of the apostles, and every wicked sinner turned glorious saint. We can reply to the resurrected Lord and, and in adoration, say, my Lord, my God, I believe. <laughs>